Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. We're talking about the gospel right now. We're talking about the power of it. You know, last week we went through a facet of the gospel is that you are no longer under the law. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have the righteousness of God dwelling within you. And in fact, if you offer yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness, this newness of life will flow through you and you can live under grace. You are no longer under law. That means God is no longer holding your sin against you. And when you properly preach this stuff, people will say, well, it kind of sounds like you're saying we can just continue in sin. And Paul dealt with that in Romans and pretty much every letter he wrote. Everywhere he went to preach, that was the response. Are you saying that we should continue in sin, that grace would abound? Well, no, that's not what we're saying. No, sin kills. Stay away from it. But what he's trying to do is help them understand what happened. So we hear the gospel, and a lot of times we talk about salvation, but there are some other facets of the gospel that we should know. So today is going to be one of those kinds of... uh, I'm going to read a few things. Last week we pretty much read all of Romans. No, not really. We read all of six. We went through several passages in there. This will tie into last week. If you didn't get a chance, go back and listen. The short version is what I just said, which is you are no longer under the law but under grace but that doesn't mean you can just live recklessly. What that means is actually you're no longer a slave to sin. You actually have within you the capacity to live righteously because His Spirit flows through you to live that way. Today is going to be one of those conversations where we're going to, I'm going to talk about a facet of the gospel, one of the effects of the resurrection and your conversion into a new creature. You know, it's kind of like when you, if you've ever had, you ever had surgery, Wave at me if you've ever had surgery. Were you the kind of person that asked, you wanted to know all the details, like what's going to happen? What kind of stuff are you giving me? What are you doing in there? What's going to happen? What tools are you doing? Some of us are like, don't tell me nothing. Just fix it and I'm done. That's how some people approach the gospel. It's like, I just want to know Jesus and Him crucified. That's it. I'm good. Some of us want to get down into the nitty-gritty. And get into, how many nitty-gritty detail people? It's always usually about half. Today's nitty-gritty, but don't worry. I'm not going to put the rest of you to sleep. It's actually pretty powerful. See, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And what does salvation mean? You break it out in the Greek. So, so there, there are different ways of translating the Bible. One of the things that they do is they will transliterate, which is not actually translating, but they take the original word, so the Greek word, and they'll just write it in whatever language they're putting it in, in our case, English, rather than translating the word. So the word saved or salvation is soteria, and they just wrote it in a new way into the Bible or into uh, English. So we don't actually get the translation. We get a transliteration. Like the word sozo is the word saved in English. And so salvation, sozo, actually means healing, wholeness, Soundness of mind, preservation, rescue, security, deliverance, prosperity. It means all those things. 
So when he says those who, are, who shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, it's all of that stuff. It's a complete salvation. Spirit, soul, body, emotionally, everything. But it's interesting because you have to work out that salvation with respect and fear toward God. Now, it's a free gift regarding your eternal life, done deal, secure. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. You could probably give it away if you wanted. I don't know. There's debate about that. But as far as experiencing it in this life, that's by faith and has everything to do with your heart being able to trust God and interact and experience and be the type of receptive garden that can allow salvation to birth into your life. Spiritually, done. Emotionally, physically, you have to learn how to have that intimate relationship with the Father to experience the deliverance that is true of your spirit, but maybe not of your mind. Maybe you know that you're not, you know that heaven is secure for you, but you still walk with a lot of fear in this world. There's deliverance from that. There is salvation from fear of this world. There's salvation from repetitive sin behaviors and habits because you're no longer inhabited. You're no longer a slave to sin. So I want to talk about some of the detail regarding what happened on the inside of you that changes the kind of being creature that you are. And it's a facet of the good news. This is a facet of what happened when you said yes to Jesus, of what goes on inside of you that God does by His Spirit. It's basically a surgery that happens. So today the message is called Circumcision of the Heart. So let me just read this because this kind of encapsulates where I'm going to go, and then I'm going to read several passages, and then I'll kind of put it together. So if you want to put that first slide up, starting with the good news. The good news that you are no longer obligated to God through law is good enough news to your heart that you'll naturally obey Him by faith. Remember we talked about last week that even the Gentiles that didn't have the law obeyed God from the heart because it was in their intuition to follow Him, to know the law by His leading, even though they weren't the chosen people that had the law. So we talked about the dynamic of following God by faith is more intuitive than it is, what am I supposed to do here? And you read a law and then you go do it and then God says yay and gives you a cookie. That's not the way it works. It's a birth from you following from the heart. So uh, no one has been able to do so, so something needed to change. God decided to perform a surgery. Now, this is, these are my words, all right? This is just me kind of putting it into a way that makes sense for me to unpack here. God decided to perform a surgery and make you a new kind of creature. He decided to cut out of you your diseased nature. And he didn't just cut out the disease. He replaced it with new living tissue. That's a new heart with eternal life flowing through it. Your body still remembers what it's like to be dead and enslaved to sin. But if you can renew your mind to the work that God has done in you, you will actually be a slave to righteousness and obey God by faith from the heart. Now, want to know how to do that? The Holy Spirit will teach you. I can tell you about it, right? Like I can tell you about how to have an intimate loving, nurturing relationship with your spouse and your friends and all of that. I can tell you what it looks like, maybe show you some things, but ultimately it's your relationship. It's up to you to connect with God. The stage is set. This heart has changed, and this is what we're going to look at. So let's look at Romans 
I love, you know, it's funny when I read Paul, I find myself going backwards sometimes. Like, like in my mind, when I'm preparing for a message, um, I will hear ideas. And then when I go to search them out, I actually realize that they're in reverse order of the way Paul wrote them. So it's almost like I start from the end and work backwards. It's just, it's, this is how my mind works. But some of these things, because people get upset when you mix and match and move things around, but if they're congruent in meaning and context, it makes sense. So today we're going to look at this circumcision of the heart thing. Romans 3.20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in sight. Now keep in mind, he's talking about um, that, you, that the law was given, that it was good, it was given to reveal sin, you couldn't live under it and be righteous, so therefore God has provided a way to be righteous by faith, but that doesn't mean you should continue in sin. In fact, you're no longer a slave to sin, you live under grace, which is power. Grace is an influence. So, brings him to this idea. By work, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith, faith righteousness, in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, a lot of people, they know verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's like, yeah, but do you know what he says before and after that? That doesn't mean you're stuck in your fallen state. He's using that as, as an example to say we needed a different way. We needed a way apart from the law that is by faith because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't live up to it. So there had to be a new way. You know, people are awesome. Let me just say that. I'll keep going. <laughs> Verse 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, whom God put forward as a propitiation. A propitiation means to satisfy judgment, to satisfy wrath or anger. Uh, God was angry towards sin. He was angry toward that thing that separated us from Him. It needed to be judged. It happened to be in people. So to judge sin properly, He had to judge it and it would kill people. So Jesus became our sin so that God could judge sin in Him as the propitiation for the world. Praise God. 25, who God put forth as a propitiation for His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Now think about that. This was to show God's righteousness. The evidence that God is righteous is that He makes people righteous. Now, God is righteous in and of Himself. He doesn't need any evidence, right? He's holy. He is the preeminent one. We're not saying that He needs to prove Himself, but evidence that He's righteous is that He makes things righteous, right? I mean, the evidence that you... If you say you're an artist, where's the evidence? You create art. If you're a plumber, come fix my pipes, you know? I mean, there's got to be evidence of your work. God is righteous because He makes things righteous. It's pretty cool. You are the evidence that God is righteous because He's made a way for you to be righteous by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time 
so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who, is, who has faith in Jesus. Now, because of that, we're going to go a little bit deeper because some people stop there and it's just about the information that salvation is available through Jesus. But something else happens. A work happens within you. You say yes to Him, something happens in you. It doesn't just swing the door to heaven open wide and you get your ticket and you can walk in and be accepted. Something happens. Say, something happens. Amen. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We're about to look at what that actually means. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That, that, that is a part, that is a different way of saying, in effect, you're no longer under the law, but under grace. That entitles you to go into the world and tell people God's no longer holding your sin against you. Now, the religious legalistic mindset will hear, oh, that's bad news. You, oh, don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. You know. But the person that understands the power of the Holy Spirit under good news, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You give people the gospel, it will change their lives. I'm telling you, that's what I love about this opportunity down in Hogansville. You're going to give them the gospel and it's going to change their life. You can't control everything. You know, that, that, that's where Christianity, the churchianity, let's call it, you know, the organized way that we do things has gone wrong because we try to control people's path control what righteousness looks like, controlling things. And I don't mean, you know, it's well-intended in a lot of ways because, uh, you know, it's like raising kids, right? You can't trust kids to do the right thing all the time. So you have to set boundaries for them because kids can't control themselves. You have to control them so they learn the boundaries until they learn to control themselves. That's how the church treats people. You can't get this stuff right, so here's what you got to do. And lay out all the stuff, right? And the church controls you as if you're children in such a way that you don't get to grow up and be, and be mature followers of the Holy Spirit on your own. I, I think the church is waking up. That's why a lot of Christians don't go to church. You know, I, I'm sick. I'm, we're tired of that stuff. Just give me the truth. Put me in touch with the Holy Spirit. Remind me who I am. That's I, you know, I love this place because we get to do that. Just talk about who He is. And, and I'm not doing a deep dive into your world. If you've got some sin issue you need help with, let's talk. Let's gather around. But I'm going to stay on track here. Let's keep going. Uh, let's look at Romans 2.25, and there's two more sections. This is where we look at circumcision of the heart. Now, Romans is, is incredible, the first part. He makes a big deal. Paul makes a big deal about Abraham. And he makes the point that Abraham, you know, that the, the part of the requirement for Abraham to be in covenant with God was circumcision. And that was the evidence that they trusted God is that they would do that to their children and themselves, the first group of them, as a sign to God, we trust you. 
I trust what you say. I trust that through our lineage, through our people, through our tribe, through our family, you will reveal yourself to the earth and you will make us priests to the whole world. That was what they were signifying when they would do that. We are the people that are going to reveal God to the earth. And as a sign that we believe that, we will do this. We will perform circumcision to our young. And that's the evidence of it. So, and he says, but Abraham was still considered righteous even before he performed circumcision. So it was credit to him as righteousness even before he did it. So it wasn't the act itself. So Paul goes through this incredible discourse in detail to make the point, the law's good, but it's not what actually makes you righteous. So uh, Romans 2.25, for circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law. See, because the, because the Jews were upset that they were saying the way that they've lived for hundreds and hundreds of years under this law, you're just doing away with the law. You know, we still, I've heard that a bunch of times. I get these messages from well-meaning pastors and they'll say, make sure you're preaching the whole counsel of the word, brother. I'm like, I am of the covenant that we're under. What do you want me to do? I mean, you know, we're getting better at that. I love, I, they mean well. They love the word. They love people, but are misinformed in many ways that there is a new covenant and that we can live obedient from the heart rather than the law. All right, let's go. For Romans 2.25, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, how many of you have broken the law? Pam, raise your hand. Okay, good. Everybody should raise your hand. Everybody should raise your hand. You've broken the law. And if you broke one, you're guilty of breaking Uh, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. I mean, just like put yourself in that place for just a minute. Like maybe the day after. Like the first people that did circumcision were full-grown men. How long did it take them to break the law? Two, three, four, five days maybe? Maybe still hurting and they break the law. It's like, whoa. Did, are you with me? Impossible to live under the law. Verse 26, So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised keeps the law, will condemn you, uh, have the... Let me start at verse 27. Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward or physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Now, what does that mean, circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit? Colossians 2, 11. And this is something that I reference a lot, and I have gone into this, and I can't remember what series it is, but it's, it's incredibly important that this be a, a, a tent post in your understanding of the gospel, this circumcision of the heart that has happened to you, that has changed you, that has made you a new creature, 
that, that God went in you and did something to you that makes you different. It is the reason that you are no longer a slave to sin. It is the reason that you can obey God from the heart in faith. It is the reason that God is no longer holding your sin against you because there's nothing in there for it to stick to. It is the reason that you are one with God now. This right here that we're about to look at. So Colossians 2, verse 11. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. All right, let me just unpack that for a minute here. Circumcision without hands. Remember, he had just, in, over in Romans, he said it's a matter of the heart, circumcision of the heart. Uh, it's not outward, it's inward. This putting off the body of flesh is not talking about this. When you use a good lexicon and you study this particular verse out and you look at the word flesh, it's the word sarx, S-A-R-X, a good lexicon will show you where... So this particular word has different applications. In some applications, it's referring to this, this skin right here that we call flesh. It is referring to that. But in other instances, it's referring to your nature, like what kind of being you are. And a good lexicon will show you which verses require which application or use which application. So... If I'd have been thinking about it, I would have thought of a word. What's a word in English that we use that means one thing, but you use it a different way, it means another? Help me out. Check. Yeah, check. Check. That's a good one. Check, right? You use the word check. One thing, it's something you write to give money on. You know, another thing, it's, hey, check on them. Right? So that, that is a, a good example. Everything else was good, too. Yay. Yay, we got one. Check. It's like that. Yeah, check. Huh? Broke? <laughs> In one application, I ain't got no money. In one application, oh, broke my Yeah, that's a good one too. So that's the same thing, Sarks. Nature, skin. In this, guess which one is talking about? Nature. God, and, it, and, it's, and it's consistent with circumcision, going in and cutting out. NIV uses the word sin nature a lot. And, and this is why it's a lie that you have a black dog and a white dog in you fighting and the one that you feed the most wins. That is a lie regarding nature. A lot of people teach that stuff. It's like you have a dual nature. No, you have a righteous nature, but you still have a body and you still have a mind that can think carnally. So if you think carnally, if you think according to the world, death-oriented, you know, pleasure, just meet my needs, it produces death and produces sinful actions. But if you think according to after your spirit, you will live in that way and your body changes. Trust me, I'm telling you, your body craves what you think about. See, because people say that you're still a sinner by nature because your body wants to sin. Well, your body doesn't want to sin if you're not thinking about it. it. It really is that simple. You don't just wake up and want to go run out and do the thing if, unless you start thinking about it and that lust gets stirred up and built up or, or it's a reaction of anger or eating or, or whatever it might be. 
you are not a slave to that thing any longer. Your body does not define the type of being that you are eternally. Yes. Amen? Um, I keep seeing like pictures of my mom in, uh, in over there, you know, and it's like she's as old as she is, but she looks younger. You know, I mean, this is just personal, subjective, but it's like, but it feels so real. I'm not saying I'm communing with my mother or anything like that, but I just kind of feel like there's glimpses of, of, of that connection. You know, there's just, you can't explain that connection, it, but, but, but I can understand it, right? That wisdom, that, that richness of, of maturity and age, but yet still vital. Um, <clears throat> so, your nature was removed from you. That is why he says that you are a new creature. This is what it's talking about. You have a new nature. You have a new heart. It's the very promise of the new covenant that on this heart are written his laws, that it's written within you, his moral code, his requirements. Everything that God requires from you, is it's already embedded within you. And if you would just yield to him, and who you now really are in Him, you will live out that stuff without ever even thinking about it. I was texting with Lyle last night. We were talking about that. And it's like, you know, transformation that comes as a result of really knowing your righteousness in Him is something that you notice. It's not something that you strive for and attain. Like transformation in areas where you're struggling and you're seeking to really see improvement. You know, a lot of the, where a lot of the church focuses on behavior when you do want to see behavioral changes, transformation as a result of knowing who you now are in Christ is noticed rather than something that you fight for because it's who you are. You just do it without ever even thinking about it. And, and the Holy Spirit will show you how to do that. And I'm convinced it's in moments like we had in worship where you just, you're just still, you know, there's so much about your mind. This is where we're going next week is looking at specifically what to do with your mind so that you are yielding to the Spirit within you, yielding yourself to Him as a member, as an instrument of righteousness in His hands rather than to sin. And, and what transformation looks like effortlessly as a result of this new, this circumcision that's been done within you. So it's detailed, I get it, but it's, but it's incredibly, because you just read through this stuff and you don't really pay attention to it. But it means something. It means you are literally a different kind of being. Putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of the... So now, he's mixing two different things here. He does this surgery within you. He does this circumcision within you. But he also judges Christ for you so that all of that stuff is removed so that he can do a work within you. If he didn't deal with all that stuff in Christ, he couldn't have gone within you because you would have had to pay that price still. It still would have been within you that had to be pay, pay the debt price, pay the toll, experience the full repercussion of breaking the law, which is death. 
eternal separation from God. But Christ dealt with all that. God dealt with all that stuff in Christ, removed it out of the way, paid that debt, which made room to have this surgery performed within you. You're different. You are a different kind of being. I think if we could look and see, like when people get born again, if what they look like from the heaven perspective before and after, it's probably like Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration where he just was, it says his clothes were even bright and glowing and, you know, it, just incredible. Having been buried in baptism, which you were all, let's see, where was I? Uh, verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to a, the cross. And the also added benefit of taking care of those pesky little demonic issues. Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen? Amen. So... The debt's paid, you're a new creature, and the enemy is defeated. Now, what are you going to believe? Who shall believe the report of the Lord? That's the whole issue. You know, believing is not, how can I get my needs met? It's how convinced am I of the work that Christ has done? Do I know what He's done? And then how convinced am I of it? And when you're convinced of it, it bears fruit. It bears fruit in terms of transformation, freedom from sin, freedom from the cares of this world, right? Like we want to live under the power of righteousness, but not just to prove it outwardly, but because we understand what's happened to us. You're a new creature. There is nothing there's nothing left in there to be held against you any longer. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, does that make you want to sin? No, it makes you want to preserve that. It makes you want to actually reflect what He's done in you. It's like, man, that disease was cut out of me. That spiritual death was cut out of me. And He put his, basically Himself within me, His nature, His eternal life, His spirit now you know, is what causes me to live. I want to live under the power of that. Yeah. We, we should be different. Yeah. Believers should be different. Our, our life should not affect us the way it does the rest of the world, the unbelieving world. You know, I'm not going to try to say should, 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 do, do. It's, it, but it's like, man, there, there, is a, there is a quality of life that is available by living under the influence of the Spirit in a real way that flows out of this new heart that you look back and recognize and notice because you know what He's done and you're so thankful for what He's done. You're never trying to make it. You're not trying to improve yourself. You're not trying to make anything happen. You're just trying to live in the power of what He's done in you. It will bear fruit in your heart, your mind, and in your actions. Your actions follow your thoughts and your thoughts follow your emotions. This stuff has the capacity to affect what you feel, like, like those low subconscious abiding feelings, right? Like, like how you feel when you first wake up in the morning and how you feel when you're going to bed at night, you know, those times where it's like you don't quite have a grasp of controlling where you are yet. What's going on in those moments? It will tell you 
what is affecting you. In other words, the Spirit of God, who you really are in Him, or what's going on in the world. And what's interesting, and this is why I love all the quantum stuff, the, 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 the bottom, for me, the bottom line of understanding the, the quantum physics and all this entanglement stuff that we're, you know, that's all coming out now. By the way, they think they found a fifth force. Did you read that, John? Maybe that was like in 16, they think that they found this, but they've uh, tr tried to repeat it again. Anyway, I'm going to go off track. Let me keep, let me stay on. <laughs> quantum, say quantum. Yes, thank you. The reason I'm interested in that is because it shows us that mankind has an effect on the physical world. What you believe, the, the abiding sense of what you think about yourself and life and what you observe has an energetic effect on the world. And I'm not just talking about the law of attraction. That is part of it. Although you know the law of attraction works because drunks keep finding each other. Sometimes I get on a roll and I got to wonder, like, that's probably not the best analogy. Let me get somewhere else. <laughs> we attract. We're attracted, you know, like-minded. But it's not just accident. It, it, you know, there's more to it. Our hearts compel and draw us to each other, right? Um, that's why it's important to you to, for you to know this stuff, have your mind bathed with your new identity in Christ, because more is happening than just your thoughts. It's affecting your body's immune system. It's affecting your choices. It's affecting what you're sowing into the people around you, what you believe about yourself and how God sees you affects everything. Those of you that have children, you owe it to them to know who you are in Christ. So they're not growing up under that obligation. They're growing up under the love of God, but the responsibility of living in the newness of spirit in a real way. It's incredibly important that we understand this so that we display the power of what God can actually do in somebody. You know, and, and that we have confidence in the gospel. Like, that we actually have confidence that when people come to us for help, we can give them a facet of the gospel like this. And if they'll grasp it, like Jesus, if those, those who have ears to hear, if they'll, if they'll listen and if they'll hear it, it'll bear fruit and it'll change their life. I have no doubt that someone who hears the gospel can improve in every area. Like the gospel will bear fruit and make their lives better in every area. Even if they're sitting facing that they're going to be talking about persecution, drown in a cage the next day. They, the peace that can come, even in a situation like that, by knowing this work that's happened in you, the external situation doesn't matter. It either just won't affect you or it'll change. The gospel is powerful. The church needs to have confidence in the gospel because it's more than just you can be saved by grace through faith. It's this too. You are changed. You want something different in your life? Live from who you really are. Do you know who you really are? Sometimes you say who you really are, and a lot of Christians want to drag you down. It's like the song that Adam wrote, talking about thinking that we're thankful that we are righteous before the Father. And then somebody asks, now who are you saying is righteous? Me. I am because of the work that he's done. I can confidently say that. I am the evidence that God is righteous because of what He's done in me. Because of what I did? No. Because of what He did. And I want to live in the power of that.
Amen? All right, we've gone through some of the nuts and bolts stuff last two weeks. Next week is going to be a lot more hands-on. You're going to eat too much turkey this week. You're going to forget it anyway. <laughs> so next week, when you're ready to repent from all that gluttony, we're going to give you some mind renewal stuff. And it's going to be good. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you didn't just open the door to heaven, that you actually did something within us. Father, I... I I have the word in me now. We've looked at your scripture. I invite you to elaborate, to enlighten, to illuminate, to bring revelation on the work that you've done within me. Bring revelation in my mind of the, and in my heart of the, of the body of flesh having been removed from me, of this new heart that is within me, of this newness of life in your spirit that I can live from. Father, show me, give me insights. I am an open book for you to write new truths on. I want to glorify your name. I want to bring glory to your name, glory and honor to your name as I bear fruit, the bear the fruit of whatever comes out of somebody that you have done this kind of work to. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you that I'm a new creature and I want my mind to naturally follow you and bear that fruit. We trust you, Lord. We love you, Lord. You know, and if you don't, you're not sure that that has happened to you, you know, if you're not sure that you've said yes to Jesus and that work has happened within you, or even if you are sure, maybe in the room you're watching online, just say yes to him. Just say yes. Jesus, I believe that what you did was for me. I believe that God sent you into this earth. You died for me. You went into the grave as me. You bore my sin. You became my sin and you rose again and you conquered death and you entered into the heavenly holy of holies with your own life your blood, and you offered it as a testimony for all who would come through you. And we say yes to you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the work that then happened in me after I said yes to you. And I give you my mind to continually let that work bear fruit. I trust you and I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.